Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit has placed on his heart for this moment. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. Join us each week, wherever you get your podcasts, to find strength, hope, and courage for the Christian journey. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. Hello, brothers and sisters. For those who don't know me, my name is Ralph Martin. I'm a professor of theology at Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, and I'm president of Renewal Ministries, a Catholic ministry devoted to renewal and evangelization. We have the weekly TV program on EWTN called The Choices We Face. We have two daily Catholic radio programs. We do mission work in about 30, 40 different countries and just try to strengthen God's people and bring people to Christ and help people grow in holiness as much as we can. Well, right after the, the American election last year, uh, Archbishop Gomez, who's president of the uh, United States Bishops Conference, he's also the Archbishop of Los Angeles, came out with a statement where he said, we've got some pretty big problems now. The new administration is totally committed to uh, promoting abortion, making it more available, uh, (laughs) paying for it, uh, tying it to foreign aid. And we also have a big problem because the whole LGBTQ agenda is going to be elevated and the whole uh, Judeo-Christian tradition on marriage and sexuality is being rejected and rights of conscience and religious freedom are being suppressed, then we really got some big problems. Well, that caused a lot of controversy. Uh, one of the leading cardinals of the United States, Archbishop uh, Cardinal Supich from Chicago, publicly rebuked Archbishop Gomez and said he shouldn't have said such a thing. He should be friendly and dialogic and uh, engaging with the new administration. But, you know, in my book, Archbishop Gomez called the spade a spade, and uh, we really need to have that kind of clear talk these days. It's the ambiguity, it's the wishy-washiness, it's the kind of who knows what they're really saying kind of statements that have so many people frustrated with the bishops. Well, Archbishop Gomez has come out with another statement. Actually, it's a talk he gave to a conference in Spain. They asked him to speak about what's going on in America with the new social movements and the new woke culture and the new political ideologies and how it's affecting the church. So this just happened in in November, and uh, this is the text of his address. You can find it on uh, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles website. We'll also post a link to it uh, here on our YouTube channel. So I'm going to quote not, not everything, obviously, it's a long statement. I'm going to try to summarize it, but I want to quote some of the direct words that the Archbishop uses. Quote, he says, an elite leadership class has risen in our countries that has little interest in religion and no real attachments to the nations they live in or to local traditions or cultures. This, I got to tell you, is a huge problem. When you're not loyal to local traditions, local customs, your own neighborhood, your own schools, your own country, uh, and, and you kind of turn it all over to a global elite, uh, we're, we're in trouble, and we are. This group, this elite leadership class, Archbishop Gomez goes on to say, which is in charge in corporations, governments, universities, the media, and in the cultural and professional establishments, 
wants to establish what we might call a global civilization built on a consumer economy and guided by science, technology, humanitarian values, and technocratic ideas about organizing societies. Then he points out that in such a worldview, Christ and the church don't have a place. In fact, Christ and the church are really seen as obstacles to this new utopian civilization that this global elite is trying to bring. Then he says uh, the terms cancel cultural and political correctness, political correctness, we recognize that often what is being canceled and corrected are perspectives rooted in Christian beliefs about human life and the human person, about marriage, the family, and more. And then he says, in your society, speaking about Spanish society, European society, and the archbishop makes the point that this, this isn't a problem, you know, just restricted to the United States. It's a global movement trying to submerge the, the interest of nations, the interest of neighborhoods uh, to a global elite trying to create a new world order. He says, we recognize that often what is being canceled and corrected are perspectives rooted in Christian beliefs. And then he says, in your society, Spanish society and mine, the space that the church and believing Christians are permitted to occupy is shrinking. Church institutions and Christian-owned businesses are increasingly challenged and harassed. The same is true for Christians working in education, healthcare, government, and other sectors. Holding certain Christian beliefs is said to be a threat to the freedoms and even to the safety of other groups in our societies. And one of the crazy things happening here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, is where we have the University of Michigan, is that Students are just totally nervous that the professor might say something that would be a, a conflict to what they believe, and they insist on getting trigger warnings. And professors who don't give trigger warnings saying, I might say something controversial, are being uh, pilloried, are, are being trashed, are being protested, are being reported to the diversity police. I think of the University of Michigan now, we have 100 people employed at the university as diversity officers you know, what their qualifications are, what, what's the, what their vision of diversity is, you know, it's probably just very much the global elite vision of uh, requiring people to bow down and worship the new emperor, burn incense to the new emperor of uh, political correctness. And he says, one more point of context. We all notice the dramatic social changes in our societies with the coming of the coronavirus and the way our government authorities responded to the pandemic. He says, I think history will look back and see that this pandemic did not change our societies as much as it accelerated trends and directions that were already worked. Social changes that might have taken decades to play out are now moving more rapidly in the wake of this disease and our society's responses. Well, this, this completely confirms what George Soros and other leaders of the global elite are saying. In, in my book, uh, Church in Crises, Pathways Forward, I think it's chapter five. It might, it might be another chapter. I actually have direct quotes from George Soros and his foundation saying, this is the moment we've been waiting for. It's possible now to bring about not just incremental change, but revolutionary changes. We're going to double down in financing uh, radical social movements. Uh, we're going to greatly increase our giving. 
And this is the moment we've been waiting for. And I have another chapter in my book called Powers, Principalities, and Organizations. And like St. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6, this isn't just a battle against flesh and blood. We're really, we're really dealing with supernatural powers. It's really hard to explain how rapidly things have changed, how rapidly all the levers of power in society are now in the hands of those who are hostile to Christ and the church without recognizing the truth of scripture that powers and principalities, dark forces and high places are at work, working through people, working through organizations, working through political parties, working through lobbying groups, working through politicians. But the power that's accelerating this is really a supernatural power. Pope Benedict XVI said, after he resigned, he gave a lengthy interview and he said, a hundred years ago, people would have thought we'd be crazy for talking about homosexual marriage. Now, if people don't agree with it, they're being excluded from polite society. Uh, he says the same is true about abortion and uh, the rejection of the whole approach to, to, to Christian marriage and, and sexuality. And he says it's enough to make people afraid of the Antichrist. So even Pope Benedict is saying there's spiritual powers at work here. And he says we really need to turn to God in prayer. And, and that's, that's really true. We really need to turn to God in prayer. We need not to be afraid because Jesus is the Lord. And, and Archbishop Gomez reminds us of that. We'll get to that in just a few minutes. He says, he says, there really is racial and economic inequality. And he says, what I'm, what I'm talking about is not denying that we need to continue to make progress on true social justice. And true social justice, though, isn't based on class warfare. It isn't based on atheistic materialism. It isn't based on Marxism. And incidentally, he says, we're already seeing a recurrence of liberation theology. We're seeing explicit references to Marxist ideology. Just this morning, I was reading an article about how Pope Francis uh, was commending these uh, social movements for change, probably unaware Maybe nobody at the Vatican looked at their websites, but they're explicitly communist. They're explicitly Marxist. They're saying, let's celebrate the anniversary of the Communist Manifesto. Let's continue the revolution. And so one of the distressing things here is how even in the Vatican, people seem to either be naive or, God forbid, actually believing in a revolution that really isn't based on Christian social justice. You know, how shocking is it when Bishop Sarando, who's head of the Pontifical Council for Social uh, Science and other things, uh, regularly has speakers come into the Vatican at, at, at conferences that Pope Francis is sometimes present at, uh, giving talks from a perspective that is not at all Catholic. Bishop Sarando, as some of you know, you've heard my other talks or read my book, returned from the People's Republic of China saying, Nobody practices social justice better than the Chinese communists. What the heck is going on? There's confusion. There's ambiguity. There may be disloyalty. There may be naivete. There may be worse. So anyway, Archbishop Gomez is saying there really is room for improvement. We need to keep working for social justice, but we can't do it 
with Marxist ideology, we can't do it forgetting about uh, who human beings really are and, and the true human condition. He says, with the breakdown of the Judeo-Christian worldview and the rise of secularism, political belief systems based on social justice or personal identity have come to fill the space that Christian belief and practice once occupied. Whatever we call these movements, social justice, wokeness, identity politics, intersectionality, successor ideology, they claim to offer what religion alone can provide. They provide people with an explanation for events and conditions in the world. They offer a sense of meaning or purpose for living and the feeling of belonging to a community. Even more than that, like Christianity, these new movements tell their own story of salvation. The Pope says, no. Archbishop Gomez says, we need to get confidence and get clarity and get courage to tell the true story of salvation, which is that only through the death, resurrection, ascension, ascending of the Holy Spirit, uh, can anybody become a new man and new woman and, and the hope of improvements in society really take place. He says, by the mercy of God and his love for each of us, we are saved through the dying and rising of Jesus Christ. Jesus reconciles us to God and our neighbors, gives us the grace to be transformed in his image, and calls us to follow him in faith, loving God and our neighbor, working to build the kingdom on earth, all in confident hope that we will have eternal life with him in the world to come, the Christian worldview. We really need to recover it. We really need to be clear about what it is. He says we need to do this because now more than ever, the church and every Catholic needs to know the gospel and proclaim it in all its beauty and truth. He says we need to do that because there's another story out there today, a rival salvation narrative that we hear being told in the media, what we might call the woke story, goes something like this. So this is the fake gospel. I know that's a strong language, but John Paul II, just before he got elected Pope, way back in 1976 in Philadelphia, he said, we're now entering the final confrontation between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between the church and the anti-church, between Christ and the anti-Christ. And we got to face this challenge. God's permitting it. It's under his providence, but we got to face it. And, and those, are, those are strong words. There really is something like opening up a gap, even within the churches. We, we had a visitor uh, maybe a month ago who was, who was working on the world level on, on ecumenism. And he was saying he sees happening in almost every church, a gap opening up between those who believe uh, scripture and tradition, those who, those who receive the word of God as the church has already received it, and those who think that we have to adjust the word of God to suit modern culture, to accommodate uh, to the nations around us. And this is incompatible with true faith. This really is an anti-gospel. It really is making an anti-church. It is doing the work of the antichrist, whether people are aware of it or not. And unfortunately, that same gap is opening up in the Catholic Church. Yes, unity of the church is so important. Uh, being peacemakers is so important. I'm trying to reach out to people I disagree with and dialogue with them. I, I'm hoping for unity. I'm trying to build bridges. But you can't, you can't put together truth and falsehood. You can't put together 
a, a confidence in the inspiration and errancy of sacred scripture like Vatican II teaches it in the Constitution of Sacred Revelation. You know, Vatican II says the way us Catholics ought to approach scripture is with confidence in its reliability. You know, the exact word says, section 11 from Constitution of Sacred Revelation, everything asserted by the sacred authors should be considered to be asserted by the Holy Spirit, God, and to teach faithfully, firmly, and without error those truths that God wished to consign to the sacred writings for the sake of our salvation. So what, what Archbishop Gomez is doing is saying, hey, wait a second, God has revealed to him, himself to us in a reliable way. We can know what God's will is. We can know what the path to salvation is. We can discern truth from falsity. We can make judgments. And that's what Archbishop Gomez is doing here. He's making judgments and discernment about what's from the Holy Spirit, what's compatible with the Word of God, and, and what isn't. So this is the, the woke story. He says, we cannot know where we come from, but we are aware that we have interests in common with those who share our skin color or our position in society. We are even painfully aware that our, our groups are suffering and alienated through no fault of our own. And the cause of our happiness is that we are victims of oppression. The cause of our unhappiness is that we are victims of oppression by other groups in society. We are liberated and find redemption through our constant struggle against our oppressors by waging a battle for political and cultural power in the name of creating a society of equity. This is so different than the vision, vision of Martin Luther King Jr., who envisioned a society of communion, of love between black and white, of equality, truly of overcoming unjust structures of racism, but with the view of bringing us together. This is pure class struggle. This is pure identity politics. This is based on dividing people and creating hatred and division. This is not compatible with the Christian faith. The archbishop again says, you know, there's real problems, there's real injustice, there's real racism. We got to keep working on those things, but not by turning people against each other not by turning people into classes of the oppressed and the oppressors. He says, of course, we all want to build a society that provides equality, freedom, and dignity for every person, but we can only build a just society on the foundation of the truth about God and human nature. Today's critical theories and ideologies are often profoundly atheistic. They deny the soul, the spiritual, the transcendent dimension of human nature, where they think that it's irrelevant to human happiness. They reduce what it means to be human to essentially physical qualities, the color of our skin, our sex, our notions of gender, our ethnic background, or our position in society. No doubt we can recognize in these movements certain elements of liberation theology. They seem to be coming from the same Marxist cultural vision. Also, these movements resemble some of the heresies we find in church history. Very interesting part of his talk about the histories of heresy and how these new ideologies really are very similar to them. Don't have time, but you can check out the link if you want to read more about it. So he says, what can we do about this? How shall we engage the new cultural situation? How shall we respond to a situation where the church and Christ are being kind of pressed into little corners and, and excluded from society and called haters. 
How should the church respond to these new secular movements for social change? Here's his answer. My answer is simple. We need to proclaim Jesus Christ boldly, creatively. We need to tell our story of salvation in a new way, with charity and confidence, without fear. This is the church's mission in every age and every cultural moment. I'm sorry, but a lot of people are getting the impression now that the mission of the church is to uh, improve the environment or uh, to save the Amazon or, you know, who knows what, you know, to reduce fossil fuel use or to get vaccines. And, and quite honestly, the, the primary mission of the church is not any of those things. The primary mission of the church is not to save the Amazon. The primary mission of the church is to boldly and charitably and confidently proclaim Jesus Christ, and I may add, invite the whole world to repentance and faith. Invite every single Muslim, every single Hindu, every single, yes, Jew, to belief in Jesus Christ, their Savior. Uh, We're we're having the gospel kind of suppressed. We're having the gospel choked off. We're we're forgetting the primary mission of the church. We're, We're disobeying the command of Jesus to preach the gospel to every nation. What's the gospel? Gee, John chapter 3, verse 16 is a really good summary of it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. So it's all about love. It's all about love. Everything Jesus says is loving, the the shocking things, the challenging things, his constant call to repentance, his constant call to put him first is because of love. He knows that only when he's first in our life, only when we're repenting and obeying, only when we're in, in living in communion with him can we bear fruit, can we be the person we were created to be. He knows that that's the case. That's why he asks for such absolute commitment. We need to not be timid to ask people for that absolute commitment, for that absolute surrender, for that faith and obedience in the only one who can lead us back to the Father's house. How can we return to paradise? We can't create one here on earth. We can keep doing what we can to make the world a better place to live in, but we'll never create one here on earth. The only way we can get to paradise is to allow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, lead us back to the Father's house. Lead us back to paradise. Archbishop Gomez goes on to say we should not be intimidated by these new religions of social justice and political identity. The gospel remains the most powerful force for social change that the world has ever seen. And the church has been anti-racist from the beginning. All are included in her message of salvation. That's the meaning when St. Paul says there's no longer Greek or Jew, rich or poor, male or female, but Jesus Christ has broken down the walls between us and created one new man. The, the Catholic Church, the, the, the body of Christ. The world does not need, the Archbishop says, a new secular religion to replace Christianity. It needs you and me to be better witnesses, better Christians. Let's begin by forgiving, loving, sacrificing for others, putting away spiritual poisons like resentment and envy. The Archbishop is going to be accused of being political, but you know what? No political party embodies what the Archbishop is calling here for. You know, certainly there's differences between the political parties and some better reflect Christian values in important areas than others, but no political party embodies the social teaching of the church. 
We need to have a concern for the poor, for the immigrant, uh, for a reconciliation society, as well as absolutely vigorously defending uh, the right to God over every human being's life and the protection of the unborn and the protection of the elderly from being pushed out of life, being pushed out of hospital beds, out of convenience to harvest their organs, which is happening. And I sure hope that the bishops have the courage to say what needs to be said, that anybody who's actively and publicly promoting the killing of babies is absolutely not a Catholic in good standing and absolutely should not be going to communion, whatever ambiguous things are being said by this bishop or that bishop or by the Pope. This is a basic matter of truth and reality. It is gravely wrong to advocate the killing of babies, gravely wrong. And no matter what position a person holds, they should not be receiving communion. They are not Catholics in good standing. And not only that, we need bishops to start saying that publicly and excommunicating people if they're not obeying such a fundamental teaching. They can't present themselves as Catholics in good standing. So the very end, the Pope of, golly, I keep calling Archbishop Gomez the Pope. He's not. He's the Archbishop of Los Angeles. He's the president of the Bishops' Conference. And he says, in the United States, the church is preparing to celebrate next month the 490th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which marks the true spiritual founding of America. He says, already we're seeing signs of uh, a religious awakening going on in America underneath all the criticism, under all our politics, under all the confusions, under all the continuing clouds of the pandemic, all the uncertainty about where our country is heading. He says, I am confident that we will see the spiritual awakening grow and spread in the coming decade as we look ahead to the 500th anniversary of that version. And then he ends by reminding us about what Mary said at Guadalupe. Incidentally, uh, as we get closer to the Feast of Our Lady at Guadalupe, which is December 12th, uh, I'm going to do a video on, on Mary's words to us when she appeared at Guadalupe. And here, uh, Archbishop Gomez uh, quotes a few of them. And Our Lady's words at Guadalupe continue to strengthen and inspire me. Here they are. Am I not here? I who am your mother. Are you not in my shadow under my protection? Wow. That's, that's the love of God. God so loves the world that he gave his only son. It's all about love. And that love comes to us in a special way in his mother. But then we need to listen to the rest of John 3.16. Whoever believes, whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So it's all about love. The only reason why we exist is because of love. The only way, reason the universe exists is because of love. But there's a horrible sickness in our race because of original sin, because of our rebellion, because of our personal sin. But God in his mercy has not left us in this condition to be eternally alienated from you and condemned to eternal death. He's given us a gift way beyond we can ever be grateful enough for or ever understand the greatness of his only son, Jesus. And here's the thing. That love can only come to us personally by belief. We need to put our faith and trust in Jesus. We need to repent. And those who believe in him 
will not perish. It's either perish or eternal life. Now, eternal life is a gift way beyond anything we could ever even imagine. Eternal life. I mean, these, these big tech billionaires would give billions of dollars to be able to extend their life. And, and no human beings able to ever have eternal life, even if they extend their life through robotic this or that or genetic this or that. They're just extending fallen human life. And who wants to extend fallen human life indefinitely? Yeah, no. Eternal life, resurrection from the dead, the same kind of body that Jesus has when he walks through walls and also eats fish, the same kind of happiness, the same kind of joy, the same kind of heavenly beauty. That's what God's offering us, but it only comes through faith and repentance. There's no other way into the kingdom except through faith and repentance. Yes, it's possible for people to be saved who don't hear the gospel through no fault of their own, as Vatican II teaches, but it's really difficult, as Vatican II teaches, because very often human beings exchange the truth for a guy, truth for a lie, and worship the creature rather than the creator. Therefore, it's so urgent that we preach the gospel. So urgent that we pay attention to what Archbishop Gomez is saying. We need to boldly and confidently and lovingly proclaim Jesus Christ, who's the only hope of the human race. And then the the incredible consolation of knowing this is all happening under God's providence. Even the negative things, even the things that look like overwhelmingly powerful against us. Remember when the Soviet Union way back in the 80s looked impregnable? Whoever thought that in 1989, the whole thing would collapse like almost overnight? Well, people who are urging us to get on the right side of history are actually urging us to rush blindly over a cliff to our own destruction. What Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 is so true. Broad and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and many are traveling that way. Narrow is the door that leads to life, difficult to road, and few are finding it. You know, maybe at the height of the Middle Ages, uh, many people were sort of pointing in the right direction. But today, uh, the, the process of dechristianization, the process of secularization that Archbishop Gomez talks about in this speech is so powerful and so advanced. Whole nations have turned away from God. The tragedy of Ireland, the tragedy of all the traditionally Catholic and Christian nations. And thank God that some of the Eastern European nations are still trying to hold on and resist the, the, the bulldozer of secularism that's trying to wipe out Christ and the church. But how comforting it is to know that all this is happening under the providence of God. Nothing's happening that God isn't permitting that he, has a, that he doesn't have a plan to bring good out of. What could the good possibly be? A purified church, a church that is more solidly founded on supernatural faith, that's more filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, more able to boldly proclaim the gospel and to be purified. Like Archbishop Gomez says, each of us has to become better witnesses to Christ. Now, for a long time, I've been noticing, I'm going to end right now. For a long time, I've been noticing that in the Acts of the Apostles on the day of Pentecost, one of the things that Peter cries out, he says, save yourself from this wicked generation. And I've been waiting for a long time for the successors of the apostle to raise the same cry. 
save yourself from this wicked generation. And in his own way, in our time, in his way of talking, Archbishop Gomez is saying something similar. He's saying, wake up. There's a wicked generation that's trying to suffocate us, that's trying to replace Christianity with a false religion. We need to engage it. We need to remember that our enemies are not flesh and blood. We need to be full of love and forgiveness, but we need to make sure that we're not part of that wicked generation, that we're living in as, as, as full obedience to the person of Jesus Christ as teaching as possible as we find it in the Catholic Church. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Archbishop Gomez. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin.